What's good, gays and queens, and welcome to the safe space. Let's go. What's good, everybody? <laughs> it's officially now episode three of the safe space. And within this safe space, we're going to focus on the other kind of blackness in America specifically. But before we dive into that, let's address what is the safe space. The safe space is a place where we dish truth and talk big facts. The safe space is a space for individuals to tell their narrative as is and to be their authentic selves, despite opinions from pop culture's rhetoric. For today's episode, we're going to focus on the psychological nuances of existing in the African-American population from the cultural lens of Black Caribbean educators. And today, specifically, we have my love, my friend, <laughs> my educator in secondhand a Miss Dana Shalow. Shalow, baby. She is a youth psych coordinator in Tennessee. And just to give you guys a quick pivot moment beyond just expressing how much I love this woman, I just want to let you guys know a little, little, little tidbit about this episode. So according to Jay Ann and also Miriam, uh, of the 19 million students at U.S. colleges and universities in 2018, 20% were either first-generation immigration of or the children of immigrants with Black immigrants enrolled in post-secondary educational programs and numbers proved that 76% of Black immigrants are third generation. With such high numbers <laughs> in enrollment, one must address hidden nuances of the cultural exposure of this worldly concept of Blackness. This episode's intent, that's the disclaimer now, y'all better listen. This episode intent is to bring awareness to educate people about the Black experience of Black immigrants and to expand upon the duality of existence in America. So let's get into it. Let's mm -hmm. go with just like you introducing who you are. Talk to us. Who are you, Miss Charlo? Mm, my name is Dana, last name Charlo. Um, um, I am currently the a youth side coordinator with a nonprofit known as Moves and Grooves Incorporated. We do homework help, do STEAM led activities, and we also provide dance lessons once, twice a week. Um, I'm also an MTSU grad, graduated August of 2019, and I'm an aspiring music educator. My aim, main instrument is the flute play a little piano, singing, you know, all the things. Um, main passion is youth development, though. I love working with kids, specifically kids that look like me, mm. and building in those communities. I love that. Okay, okay, Miss Shallow, I see you. I see you. Okay, so my next question for you is, how do you identify? I identify as a Bahamian American. Mm. Um, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and for those few seconds, I was there. <laughs> and then soon after I was born, I was moved back to the Bahamas with my family in Nassau, New Providence, if you will. And I lived most of my life there until I was 16 years old, and then I moved back to Knoxville. So I, I, I became in Georgia. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. So... <laughs> What other what other identities then that you associate yourself with beyond just being a Bahamian through and through? I should say. Talk to me about those other things. I would I would just say plainly black. Oh, 
if I'm not a Bahamian, I'm black. <laughs> Period. Across the border. Uh, <laughs> being in any other category, honestly, my culture means that much to me. I just I was raised in it. Uh, even being here is like, are you African American? I guess technically black. Exclaim <laughs> <laughs> the in part. Can't get rid of it. It's and I put in front of the African, like. <laughs> So, I love that, and thank you for sharing that. So, with you addressing that your identity focused primarily on being black and also Bahamian, how does your experience become difficult navigating the cultural? Let's just say, hmm, how can I say this in layman's term? The navigating a culture, navigating a culture that is not your own. So, you mm-hmm. said that you were from the Bahamas, born and raised, but you're also American. So how do you deal with that duality, especially with a culture that we're currently in? Because you're currently in Tennessee, am I correct? Right. So dealing with that component of that variation of Blackness, what does that even look like? What does that mean? Um, it's weird for me because legally I'm American, right? Because I was born here, but I, I, I can't, I don't feel comfortable saying that I'm American. Ooh, why, um, why is that? Why do you think so? I was not raised here, and I don't know the culture. I don't have a problem with it. I admire it. I've always admired it, even living in the Bahamas, but it's not necessarily mine. Mm. Um, So (sighs) there's still an issue navigating it, even as a 24-year-old. I guess my first introduction, hands-on, was when I started MTSU. And there was a gap. <laughs> like, I can relate to other Black people. Um, I love being a part of, you know, all the organization, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. But there was still something missing. And it was like, I was at the table, but I couldn't sit with them. Ooh. Ooh. Go a little bit more deeper into that, that statement. You were at the table, but it's like, you're only sitting with them. You don't, voc- you can't be able to vocalize your, like, what does that mean? I, I don't like, understand. Talk to me. <laughs> hey, um, before we developed, we being Caribbean students at MTSU, our own community, um, you were kind of playing like tag. How can I blend in? How can I go into places that I would feel comfortable. Cause yes, I'm very comfortable in black spaces, but there's still a line of cultural differences um, that makes me feel like I, I don't belong. Mm. Um, whether it be slang and I'm still lost on slang to this day. <laughs> <laughs> like, like older um, um, black Americans, African Americans, they be saying stuff to me and I'm like, ma'am, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. I smile and nod and hope I say the right thing. Or like depending on where they're from, there are a lot of um, students from Memphis at MTSU. So I learned about that culture very quickly. A lot of my American friends are from Memphis. Still lost. Um, still confused. Where Whether it stands food or food combinations. Mm. Never got in. But just in general, I feel... And I guess it's kind of skipping some questions, but our oppression is different. 
Okay, I mean, listen, we flowing, we flowing. Let's talk about oppression. What what different oppressions are, are you really addressing right now? They're more aware, and I don't like saying they because that's like they have me. Um, black Americans are more aware of their oppression, and that's because they had to live with their oppressors. Like, mm-hmm. it's still face. Um, with us, it's so neutralized back home that we think it's normal to feel the way we do about ourselves. Mm. Um, so I think, at least for me growing up, I've always, you know, YouTube was popping back in 07. I <laughs> look at all the, like, the MPHC sororities and fraternities and, like, Angela Davis and stuff like that. I was just reaching out, searching, like, what's that about? Ooh, this is cute. Um, they, I don't, I feel like there's, like, I want to say more will to fight. They're just different fights um, that's happening. So when you say different fights, what do you mean? What do you mean for the, the Bahamian culture to who you are and also the American side? Um, the American side, because it's so in your face, mm-hmm. you can't ignore it. Um, and... I feel like because it's so in your face, you have like more will to fight. Whereas back home, it's so in the culture, mm. in our everyday life. It's like, are you breaking tradition? Or are you breaking cycles? Like, oh, and you know, Bahamian man, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. Home. That's a lot to process. So keep going. It's like, oh, you're getting. Dang, so it's, it sounds to me like trauma is more or less ingrained in the culture and you either just accept it for what it is and keep it moving mm-hmm. or you just kind of let it eat you up alive. Yeah. So where does that even place us? Or Where does this even place you? Do you feel as if you're like straddling the fences at some point, like you're in the middle? Mm, I do. Um, when I... <sighs> When I get passionate about fighting oppression in this country, I feel like I'm doing it for the children after me. Mm. Um, I am not sure if I will live in the Bahamas. Um, I have a I have a strong feeling I'm being American and <laughs> um, have being American slash you know my significant other's culture. Um, so I feel like I'm fighting for them and the youth that I work with not necessarily myself. Um, whereas back home, I'm oh, fighting. Lord. <laughs> back home, I'm fighting for myself. <laughs> Challenging older thoughts. Um, Those I, values. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I am fighting myself. I'm, I'm fighting hard when I go home. And I think that's something that keeps me away. And a lot of young people away who have... Um, gone internationally experienced different cultures mm-hmm. <laughs> right. for me to be talked to that way oh mm. oh that's not right for us to treat children this way oh oh <laughs> like oh being black is beautiful oh my hair is in course in pz and discuss oh better talk I, about it <laughs> hair to be acceptable oh i can have locks and be a professional oh this one tattoo on my wrist is not gonna be a problem Dang. that's what 
I go home because I'm doing like all of it. I'm walking. <laughs> I got a tattoo. I'm not the traditional gender roles. That I'm saying like I can't cook because I can cook. Oh, flip. Let's go. You you want to bring a part to the? T- let's go. Let's go. I bring cook, a part. Bring a part. I don't have to just because you're in my house and you could cook too. Like I don't have to do that. <sighs> Yes, mom. I'm loving this right now. You're giving me all the juice I need. Um, oof. Oh, man. I don't even know where to even start or where to leave off. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's going to be a good transition. So mm-hmm. as a millennial with such unique intersectionality, how have you dealt with the microaggression from people who look like you? Mm. Um, for a long time, I did not realize that I was experiencing microaggressions. Um, cause growing up, we kind of did it to each other. Yeah. Um, like I said, in the Bahamas and I, don't, I didn't grow up in the States. So I don't know. They may have people, my age, our age may have experienced it as well in black communities in America, but in the Bahamas, like, oh, you're here long. That's good. Cause you know, we can't grow no long, you know, growing <laughs> along. Yeah. You don't stay in the sun. You see this complexion right there. You pretty, that's pretty, right? you, you know, I can't. Uh, <laughs> That's real. Like I'm like, man, you. Oh. <laughs> that was a punishment. Stand in the Oh side. God. <laughs> so, coming over here and like years later, looking back at what it was said to me by white people, I'm like, oh my God. Or, um, my first, well, my earliest memory was when I moved to Knoxville. I was 16. I was a marching man, very white school, Bearden High School, so white. And somebody asked me my name and I said it and they were like, not to be racist, but that's a really simple name for a black person. And then he gave me an example. What was his friend's name? I don't remember it. It was two syllables. I remember it being two syllables. It was not hard to pronounce. It was something with a D because my best friend, he's black. It's like, okay. His name is one of that. I was like, that's not hard. And I turned around. But I didn't, I didn't realize it in that moment <laughs> that I was being gaslighted. And another memory, because I went to a little white. Can I curse? Yes, you can curse. Say it with your you know, chest. You know me, I'd be doing like HA. Anyway, <laughs> white ass school. <laughs> Run that and, again. <laughs> Um, it was my senior year. I had a teacher and she confused me and another black girl. We looked nothing alike. At this point, I was not wearing glasses. Her head was literally bald. Like she had a buzz cut. I had every black girl hairstyle imaginable because at that point I was experimenting. <laughs> and she would continuously, her name was Mombi. There we go. Um, she would continuously mix, mix this up. From the first day, she was um, calling everybody's name and I wasn't on the list for some reason. And she went mumby and she walked up to me. And I was like, ma'am, that's not my name. <laughs> I'm clearly not responding. That's not my name. And then she did come much shorter than me. And I'm already, you, I'm already short. <laughs> so if I'm five one, she like 410 or something. And she would continuously mix this up. And one time she was like, oh, it's because your hair is in a ponytail. I was like, she ain't even got hair on her head. 
just little things like that. Like y'all don't realize how ignorant and racist you are, or you do and don't care. And I apologize to that version of myself because she wasn't about that life. But Dana of today is. <laughs> oh. A blazing. Let's go. Let's go. Run that track. I'll be like, I could call you for this, that, and the third. You, oh, you didn't know? Okay, educate yourself. Yeah. Like I said, educational confrontation. We could... <laughs> we, conversation. We, could we could actually exchange words. We can. We can. Pew, pew. So, a lot of things. <laughs> and Knoxville. West Knoxville specifically is not diverse at all. So... Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that though. I love that. And thank you for also sharing with us your experience and what that has done to you. And apologizing to your younger self, the younger version, the inner child within you who actually experienced mm-hmm. that shit. And as an adult who was strong enough and who was willing and capable to handle things accordingly, all of that happened so you can be the person that you are today. And I'm proud to see you grow, shine. And, you know, <laughs> anyway, again, sentimental. So I'm going to dive into our follow-up question. How has being in America shaped your cultural identity? Mm. It makes me prouder to be Bahamian for sentimental reasons. Mm. Oh. Like school-wise, outside of, you know, outside of the harsh moments. <laughs> And nothing like primary school memories, playing on the playground, the songs we sang, the food that mm. we ate. Because the school lunch is here. Trash. <laughs> Not up to standards. <laughs> up to par where? <laughs> you know, eating curry, curry chicken and rice. And, you know, so all the, the teachers, the relationship you built with some of them, because some of them were your actual cousins. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> A part of your family. And the I know classroom sizes aren't as small. And I also went to a private school, so there's that. Um, but the classroom sizes and the family environment that was built just primary school alone and how much we value our family back home. I love that. I love that. Now it's not always the most healthy ways. That's the toxic families situations. Um, but I love that. I love how proud we are as Bahamians. Um, anywhere we go, you can know what I is. Ain't no question about it. You can know where you're from. I love that. I love our music. There's nothing like breaking script music and even studying music and learning other people's music. I'm like, baby. <laughs> Let me introduce you to a new world. <laughs> what you don't know about this song and this song. Yeah. Let me put okay. you on some game game. Let me put you on some game. On some cowbells, some goat skin drums. Okay, I now, love. okay, now, okay, okay. Let's go. I love that. Um, but watching other people fight here makes me wish that we as Bahamians wanted more from ourselves. Oh, what do you mean? We don't fight. <laughs> we don't fight as much as we can or should. Mm. And maybe that won't be received well. Maybe I'm a little naive. Um, why, do you but say I, why do you think you're naive? Why, why would you consider yourself being naive? I think it's, maybe I don't know enough about our history. 
you know, stuff like that. Maybe there were fights before and whatever, whatever. As far as I'm concerned, the only fight they taught us about was the Burma Road riot. <laughs> and that was that was it. You know, the little Samala Butler notebook and the in the mm-hmm. primary school that every Bahamian student had. Yeah. They stopped at the Road riot. And it was like, yeah, congratulations. And moved on to another country's history. I was like, that's it. There's something more. So are you saying that we have some gaps we need to fill within our own country that is actually being addressed within America right now? So are we, sure. I understand like we're a third world country, but do you mm-hmm. think that we, we, we stream a lot of information from America, right? And we mm-hmm. collect a lot of our like resources in terms of like food, clothing, supplies from America. Yeah. But yet still, we can't really get to a place where we're functioning strategically and fighting for our human rights mm-hmm. in 2022. Yeah. That's, that's strong. Uh, and especially as a Bahamian woman, the misogynoir in our country. Talk about... <laughs> Let me take a sip. You want to talk about misogyny? You want to talk about misogyny? You can talk about it. You can talk about it. Um, of domestic violence situation um women getting shot women getting over by a car women getting pulled out of their car getting physically like what Hmm. and it's like victim blaming all the time or even sexual assault i was taught very young i'm not supposed to wear shorts around men even if I'm in my house. I'm sorry, I'm six. <laughs> That's not my responsibility. And it never was. Never was. It should be. It's normalized. It's normalized that a man can do whatever he wants to a woman because the woman is out of whatever it is. So and we don't... Do think... Keep going, sorry. No, I was good. No, that was not just it. Stop playing with me, bro. Uh-uh. Oh, we, God. Travis, you know. I know, I know, I know. But our viewers don't know us like that. So in any event, you expand upon that. Yeah. Um, my recent example, other than the unfortunate domestic violence cases recently, um, was the pre-pandemic, I think it was about 2018. Mm-hmm. Got it. I had some spice in my life i was ready to talk about what's going on in the world um or 2017 that sounds right anyway <laughs> prior to a junk new parade there was an announcement made by the police department police you know rbdf royal bahamas or df <laughs> my bad royal bahamas right police. Defense. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, okay they were saying to avoid harassment women should wear And you know, there are people in the comments, yeah, that's right. Because these little gals like to be too fast and whatever. It's like, first of all, I'm rather slow. I don't run. And I will wear what I want to. Because you can't control yourself. So, please. I am <laughs> crying. <laughs> but that's a government official announced that way. Or let's talk about how marital rape is still legal in the Bahamas. 
Okay. <laughs> Being I, I didn't know that was still a real thing. Yeah, it's still very legal. Marital rape. Mm-hmm. Very legal in our So things like that. <laughs> I see us standing up, especially in the Black community. We have a lot to work on in America as well, mm-hmm. in our Black community. But I see people taking actual steps and acknowledging the problem, which I feel is the first thing in any situation, whether it be a personal problem or community, school-based, whatever, you acknowledge the problem and try to find a route and heal from there. We ain't trying to find no route. It's deep in the ground. We're like, okay, but look at this cherry (laughs) that has grown from this beautiful plant. It hurts me. It makes me sick. Well, it's growing. And it's been growing forever. Why would we stop it from growing? It's not like there are other fruits that exist. Oh, but wait. <laughs> wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> damn. Just damn. Yeah. That's a lot, Dana. It is. And my little Bahamians little girl self didn't know that i just thought i was always doing wrong just you know simply being a woman simply having a mature body at an early age it's my fault i need to wear sweaters i need to overdress overdress as in literally overdress wear things twice my size hide my body because i cannot entice how dare i at 14 years old how dare i do that how dare you little bit of my bra strap how dare how dare you see my kneecaps that i lotioned even though they're not going to be seen how dare i it's heavy (laughs) and it's not just promise it's you know the caribbean general yeah heavy on heavy heavy on that just as it just i'm like rocking back and forth i'm thinking like shit how can we actually hit a nail on the head and also address these concerns and be literally heard and not really pushed against, especially traditional values and standards. That's why there's always a brain drain system in the Bahamas. That's really unfortunate that we have to say these things in order to get people to understand what we're trying to gain towards, but shit gets real. And how do we protect our future, our future kids, our future grandkids, from getting accustomed to those values and just being, okay, this is okay. This is the world. But is mm-hmm. this the world? It's mm-hmm. not the world. It's just a, a part of the world that we don't really want to associate ourselves with. But mm-hmm. there is some beauty in that world. But we also need to address the toxicity and also the, the hurtful components that's intertwined with that world. So, mm. goddamn, goddamn, goddamn. All right. <laughs> Damn, I just, I don't even know how to even process that right now because it's just like, mm-hmm. I see it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk more about it. But it's the fact of being seen and heard as a Black man who's also in America, who's also Caribbean, have these several identity complexes that people don't necessarily understand. So how do you do it? How do you do that? Should drink? No, because you know our country for <laughs> some rum and some da 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 da. 
So we're not going to do that because we have healthy coping mechanism and we can utilize we can utilize resources like healthcare and also therapy and also healing and really addressing our own internal demons, which right. now leads me into asking you, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for that yeah. swamp? Um, 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 um. I don't even know what that was, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> how does the world view you as a person? As a whole student? As a person. Oh, as a person. Mm. Yeah. Okay. In my head. As a person, mm, I think it depends what environment I'm in. Expand. Um, I felt, okay, when I was a college student, depending on if I was, because I went to a predominantly white institution, okay, depending if I was in the music building or on the black side of campus. Mm. Um, music building wise, I don't recall many other black girls being there, black people, period. I was definitely the only one in my classification um, and major, so not fun. But I didn't feel seen necessarily, and I felt very overlooked and undermined, Um, which is music music is competitive anyway, um, whoever you are. But it did not help that that was the culture on top of me not being seen, heard, or cared for. Mm. So I felt like I was just a fill-in sometimes. And sometimes I think I surprised people because I was so overlooked and undermined. Like, oh, she's still here. Like, I felt like that was the energy. Um, Because people would drop out the major regardless, but I really didn't feel like people were like, oh, she's like really into that. Until like my junior year, it's like, I see y'all niggas every day, bro. (laughs) Like... Like, people didn't talk to me until he was about to graduate. I was like, I've been here all four years. <laughs> it's not acknowledging that I sound pretty good on the flute. Um, pardon me? You're just acknowledging that I was good at this class. Like, bro. Don't play me. Stop playing me. Play me. But yeah, I was excluded a lot in that building. Like, they'd have study groups, all that stuff. They'd be having to test. I know nothing about it. Like... Like, they'll have, like, an old copy of a test or whatever that was passed on from older white students. And it would just be real clicky and all that. I wasn't in none of them group meetings, child. I was over there struggling with my little C- minus and theory. I was like, why is everybody getting A's? Oh. <laughs> There's a whole cohort, cohort, a whole group studying together, making sure they all succeed. I had that. Um, whereas on the Black side... When we did come to get this curving students and created our own organization, I felt very loved and seen. And what I loved about our Caribbean Student Organized Association, CSA, CSA, that's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, we weren't exclusively Caribbean, like most of us were, but it was open to everybody. And I, we were very accommodated, like we did not care. We celebrate Caribbean culture, but we also celebrated family. We celebrated togetherness. We celebrated unity. Now, some of the other organizations I was a part of, I appreciated it, um, but it was still extremely clicky. 
extremely clicky. Um, and when CSA started getting bigger, once again, we were fighting for a seat at the table, even though we were a predominantly black organization. Mm. We were considered we were considered a black org on campus, but the other black orgs did not care for us at all. We sent emails, we'd invite, hey, we'll do this, this, and that with you. They did not care for us. It was a constant fight. But when it was at a time of, oh, let's show we could, we're interested in Sean Paul and oh, let's, I want to try some jerk chicken. And that's like, oh, I want to try to meet some Caribbean girls or that is when they came our way. Not no unity, not no networking, none of that. And I, that's how I felt most of the time. There are moments where CSA grew a lot and that's when we started getting connections, but it, it was never really genuine. It was like, will this look good? This will look good. Let's collab with CSA. It was a secret agenda. It was no authentic, organic relationship. Not at all. And I would try because I, I was the president at one point. I would try. And our executive board, we would try, but... There was no real <laughs> connection, relationship there. It was a let's get this um, thing done. Check it off on the list. It's like, okay, you don't see how we can help each other. And I think that's the energy of Black MT as a whole. <sighs> this was 2000, 2000, 2018, 2018. I think 26%, that was the amount of Black students at MTSU. And that's a lot, considering other, um, compared to UTK, it was like two at the time, maybe 12. <laughs> it was a very small number. But the Black um, population at UTK, from my past experience and from other people's experiences that I've spoken with, they're much closer than us. Mm. They work together. Organizations are always together. The people are always together. We don't have that at MTSU. Is very, let me get my way up. Let me get some clout. Let me get some attention. Let me see what I can get. Not actually creating something. That's how I... That's like a lot of, one, not being seen and also being used as a transactional relationship. Dang. I am so sorry about that. And you talked so much about being fetishized by also... African Americans and mm-hmm. just being I idolized for like what you guys got going on. Let me try to have a taste of this and see how this turns out. Mm-hmm. So now, like, is it safe to say you as an international woman have been fetishized? Definitely. Um, I would turn my accent off a lot. You a so- coach? Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Talk oh, yeah. to me. What's what? up? Um, and it wouldn't be like a little valley girl goes rich, but just a general you 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 ain't gonna hear this unless I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's when you heard the accent. Um, but when I would, it was an immediate. Oh, okay, I heard about them island girls. What they do? Nothing. Get out of my face. Um, or watching other girls be fetishized, or just the over-sexualization of me and other behaving girls that I knew personally. 
and the men too, but the way society wants us to think about this patriarchal society wants us to think about men always being the prize in that way and them not understanding that when you're being harassed, two, you're being sexualized. You're not always a sexual being, you know? Your main purpose in life is not just to have sex. Like, they didn't realize they were being sexualized by other women. So that was a problem for me, just watching it and hearing other women talk about, like, all the Bahamian dudes on campus and what they think about them or what they've experienced about them and just, like, passing our rumors and stuff. That was hard, especially when I knew some of them real personally. Mm. But, you know, sometimes as men, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, you know, a status thing, like a positive thing. Whereas if that were to happen to me and my name is running around campus as the island girl or whatever, whatever, I'd be looked at very negatively. Sure. I respect that. And thank you for sharing that. That's something that's very much so need to be addressed on a regular basis. Right. Shit, people, I've, I've, I'm going to even also share this with, my, with you as well as the audience. Being an international Black man within America has been a very much so different experience. Um, I think during my early 20s, I was very much so in shape and fit and all this great stuff. And I was definitely fetishized by, by African-American women. And they'd be like, oh, Travis, just talk to me. Just just talk. Just then, just talk. And then they would try to bring me in for a hug and be like, oh, Travis, oh. And just like kind of reaching and grabbing my backside and thing. And I'm yeah. like, okay, this is different. Um, I am not really aware of where um this this happens and can can men be sexually assaulted yes but in our culture that doesn't exist and if a man talks about that stuff and he complains about that it's like oh he's either gay or he just plain on sissy and all this other stuff and i'm like where mm-hmm. where's your sense sense of agency is there no sense of boundaries <laughs> if mm-hmm. it was uh, a man push up against you a, a cis straight man um, then there's an issue. But if a woman does it, it's, oh, she just wanted, you know, she just wanted a little song, song, you know what I'm saying? I can give it to her. Since, you know, nobody giving it to her the right, the right way, I can do so anyway. And y'all just, <laughs> the misogyny, like... I missed the chapter. Okay. Where yeah. is this? And why does this exist? So mm-hmm. just want to offer that, like, that... I guess, different perspective and different experience because yeah. we also need to expand upon all these hidden nuances as being an international person in these spaces. So, oh, this might get a little, <laughs> a little deep. I get like some more questions for you, okay? Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm a little nervous with this one. <laughs> all right. So when we talk about identities, right? Do... Mm-hmm both of your identities as American as well as Bahamian, do they conflict? And if they do, how do they conflict? They conflict because like I said earlier, I'm still not comfortable calling myself an American. Mm. Uh, And I think I'll always be uncomfortable calling myself that. Uh, In fact, I was like 
my friends would tease me about it all the time because I was born here. Mm-hmm. Talk about the Bahamas, Bahamas, or whatever, whatever. And I'd be like, but you American though. <laughs> A hole of an ex would do that all the time too, but he'd be like dead ass about it. <laughs> First of all, and that's when it came out. So looking back, I think he did it on purpose. But gaslighting yeah, like you all to the extreme. Mm. But <laughs> it does conflict, um, and some of it conflicts back home too. When I've experienced the freedom. Not that black people are really free over here, but um, some privileges that I have over here that I've never experienced before. Um, my freedom to just be a being for the most part. Um, the freedom to let my hair grow the yeah. way I do. And changing my language to understand that the words we used before hurts and caused mm-hmm and trauma the way we talk to each other and the way we talk to other people we rude sometimes <laughs> or we're just straight up inappropriate so like <laughs> when i'm back especially like with my mom <laughs> i'm like you can't say that she's like you be like can i say it <laughs> <laughs> and then over time I feel like it's getting more of a like oh I see how that can be offensive rather than I would like always say it so of course not out loud because now I'm about the life right now I talk but in the beginning in my head I'd be like I always say that y'all they can tell me what to say oh. you know mm, I think this is but <laughs> you learn you meet different people you have different experiences and you're like Damn, we gotta heal as people, man. Why? We gotta stop. <laughs> All right, Bishop. Keep keep becoming Bishop. Come on. Rich, yeah. <laughs> it conflicts on both sides. The mostly the is just really uncomfortable being called an American, mm. or even my papers. Sometimes I'm like, I almost feel like I'm like being fake. Like I was raised here. Um. All these experiences that you guys talk about growing up, some of them correlate because we are connected within the diaspora. Mm-hmm. There are very little but important things that I just don't connect with. Can you give and me an example? Give us an example. Hmm, let me think, let me think. Let me think. <laughs> um, I don't want to say waiting for the school bus. Cookouts. Like in the African American culture, are very they're not different, but we don't necessarily have them like they do. We don't. Yeah, you know we have a little fresh fries, sauce, sauce, <laughs> but not to that level. Um, I went to what they call the black side of tailgating once. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, go ahead, get you a bun or whatever. And I was like, I don't know y'all. <laughs> like, hey, because I'm like, that um, some of the school activities, the school traditions that they had, we didn't have. I'm trying to find specific ones. I can't think of any right now. But I know a lot of the times when they talk about 
Line dancing. That's small, but big. We don't do that. We don't. We don't do that. Oh, love. I still don't know it. I still don't know. <laughs> Let me go find a little water to drink or something. Because that was cute. But that I'm not going to. I just learned a bunny hop about two years ago. You Stop know. playing, <laughs> bro. <laughs> I can't say shit because I, I wouldn't even do it. I wouldn't do it. I felt left out. I was like, well, teach me. Or see, small, small spades. The shame I get for not playing spades. I have to explain myself every time. We do not play spades. In we play domino. <laughs> y'all got dominoes. Y'all got dominoes. <laughs> Don't so, over there. Anyone? I'm almost like big and y'all got dominoes. <laughs> And then they bring out the double nine. I'm like, no, baby, the double six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to teach you, teach you a little something, teach you. You can get a slime a little hotter next time, but not that little light top. You don't do that over here. You gotta make the table shake. This <laughs> <laughs> to the point I was breaking off. If it's not an argument breaking out, you ain't playing at a race. <laughs> Big box. Oh. Play that. Um, and they're probably bigger ones that are just not coming to my mind right now, but I do have moments where I just feel left out. Mm. So it's hard for me to be like, I am American as well. Mm. Only on paper. Yes. Here. Your identity is who you make it into and your culture really molded your identity strongly. So I, I thank our ancestors because Lord knows Sometimes you need to have a strong ass foundation to be in a different country, first and foremost, and be able to survive. And yeah. our community is hella strong. When we come together, we stick together. And I've said that this is my dream. I don't think it's going to happen. But if I could raise my children <laughs> in the Bahamas and in America. You got money. It's <laughs> the plan. But <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, primary school, like primary school like one through three one through four beautiful beautiful education oh what school do you attend when you was back home i went to queen's college not qc not qc little comic comments at least you instead a big red machine because you know when you when you call lady nemo they come out and pop come in the door right now we're going to side i do I ain't no. got any business. Stay on my mm-hmm. inbox, please. Thank you. Yeah, don't do that. Because I is for how. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Now you're trying to come to that, that stereotype. <laughs> damn, damn. They so biggity. They so biggity, man. Like, they, they loud, mo too. I thought about it because it's definitely <laughs> me. And I'm, a lot of people call me like gentle, quiet, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I am. I am soft-spoken. But it's in me. And like thinking back about not only what my mother has gone through as a Bahamian woman, but other Bahamian women, my mother's mother, learning more about that story. And even my dad's mom talking to her, we have every damn right to be biggity and loud and boisterous. The way we're treated, the way we're expected to figure it all out, the way we carry our families. I have every damn right to be biggity as I want to. <laughs> oh, let's go. I felt like a little squish in that neck just now. It's like, okay, okay. <laughs> And we're not, and we're strong because we are, but because we have to be, and that's why mm. we're biggity and loud. Nobody wants oh. us to. Nobody wants us to be open. Nobody wants us to be 
that kind of emotional. No one wants to take care of us. If anybody gonna do something, a Bahamian mother will. They gonna figure the way out. You're right on that. Any yeah, baby, almost, oh. and who have like decent, great relationships with their mother. Your mommy, you didn't know how she did it, but she did it. Out of thin air, out of flicking thin air. <laughs> like what just happened? How we get to Disney World? How we get to Miami? I don't know, but mommy did it. Like, and you know what? That that says that screams a lot of commitment to community and the mm-hmm. relationships we form. Yeah, because I, I I I pride myself off my favorite African proverb, Ubuntu I am because we are. And it really and truly inspires me as well as the community. You want me to send that to you? Yeah, man. I can send that to you. Easy, easy. We as community, like, Mm -hmm. like, shed like a few tears. I'm like, yeah, we come a very long way. We have. Who, me? You know, you. Oh God. Okay. This one, I think this last is very last question. Um okay. I think it's gonna hit home. And I just want you to be just brace yourself a little bit. It's not too in-depth, but it's something you all near and dear to your heart. All right. So for the last question out there for my audience, how do we prevent our communities from falling in the red zone? and start the process of creating a more inclusive environment for all variations of Blackness? Mm. That's hard. Um, I don't know how to do that back home. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I don't live there. So sometimes I feel guilty about speaking about Bahamian issues because I'm not there anymore. But I'm still a Bahamian, and that's still going to be my children's home, and my children will be Bahamian regardless, okay? So I think about that. Um, I think it starts with me. Um, Aside from a terrible relationship I was in, (laughs) um, I had a lot of childhood trauma that I, I didn't realize I had. And I had a big issue with anxiety and all these other things. I was really depressed, at least the last two and a half years of college. And I started therapy. And I don't think anybody will ever be fully healed. You mm. just look to, I don't want to say deal. Deal sounds like, ugh, whatever. Cope. You learn how to con- cope and continue to cooperate, not in spite of it, but almost because of it. Mm. Like, it's a part of you. And unfortunately, the people who give you this trauma they don't hold responsibility for it, unfortunately. Even if that's trauma is just like falling down, one of your first earliest memories hitting your knee on the concrete. Like you remember that. That's a trauma. And now you know. <laughs> you learned. They said not to run. <laughs> so <laughs> well, mama say if you don't learn, you can feel. You can feel. And I every black girl has a scar on their right. So I felt it. Ooh. Ooh. Girl, axe, axe. <laughs> I don't know why everybody fell everybody scraped their knee I don't know all of us do but um I think it starts with me and the community I build around me intentionally um I work with young kids right now I'm working with middle schoolers and oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh my god even the space to speak 
and especially the young black girls like they're going through puberty and stuff now and puberty was a traumatic time for me I started puberty when I was seven so I was not and I don't know what I would do if my child started at seven either that ain't no book on that (laughs) I was not taken care of well in that emotionally but I don't know how I believe my mother did the best she could because that's a shocker that's a lot so being with these young girls and young men is kind of triggering sometimes, but also it helps that I can talk to them about it and I can listen to them. So just things like that, especially someone who looks like them being like, nothing is wrong with your body. Oh, your mom didn't tell you this. So let me give you this tip, you know, mm. or even like the elementary, cause I longed to be in elementary school. I love them. It starts really young. Self-hate starts so young. Yes, yes. Um, so that, and um, like I said, my own community, my future, my current boyfriend, um, you know, like like-minded, being with like-minded people, uh, my future children, knowing that their both their parents will be in their lives and want the best for them and show an example of a healthy relationship, an example of self-care example of feeling your feels and being honest about that I think that creates a new beginning there because they'll pass that on and you don't even know what they'll pass on to their friends or other relatives like I think that's how we can start start um I don't think there's no there's a key answer actually do I think it's healing Mm. um (laughs) In every sense of the way and acknowledgement. Um, but you can't really help others. You can't help yourself. So you have to do your inner healing and really connect with your inner child. And I think, personally, I think that's why I'm feeling like extra anxious now and doing things, um, taking risks and all this stuff. Because my inner child is like, sis, what? <laughs> <laughs> And you have to reassure her, like, hey, sis, we okay. Like, 12-year-old me has been bothering the mess out of me lately. <laughs> Just like, okay, we got it, we got it, we got it. Seven-year-old me is living. She's she's loving the adventure. Even, like, 21-year-old me is, like, disbelief. Like, wow, we're really doing this? And that's only three years ago. But all of those past selves, those past memories are still with you. Mm-hmm. It's, like, muscle memory in you. You are going to remember it. You're feeling it. You think, you know, you could feel like when you when we get our hair press Easter Sunday night. <laughs> you can still feel the burn on your left ear up here. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is. We have to continuously nurture it and stop pretending like it doesn't exist. And that's hard. Way harder said than done. And I still haven't acknowledged some things, but mm. we gotta do it. We do. We definitely do. Oh my God. That was such great content. <clears throat> Be on the lookout for Dana's book, um, Surviving Our 20s as a Bahamian as well as American in this duality of subconscious. But anyway, yes. <laughs> gang, gang, gang. Um, so that was so impressive. And I thank you so much for actually showing up and being present and being so engaged 
Uh, that's a wrap for episode three of the safe space. Uh, be sure to look up for more coming from greatness of blackness right here. Stay tuned. Peace and love. Bye.